get very clear on who and how, who you help, how you help them. Once you do that, understand their pain and their problems. Because no one, you can talk about your process all day long. I've got this unique six-step process for helping you overcome fear and having the most confident life ever. Cool. But if you say to someone, you know, those times when you go to have a conversation with a potential client and fear washes over you, your throat tightens and you start to sweat. And you're so scared because you feel with almost absolute certainty that if you speak up, you're going to stutter, you're going to sound stupid, or that you're not going to know what to say. And once again, you're going to go home from this event feeling depressed, sad, and like it's just not worth it. It's a very different conversation. One takes into account this thing I'm helping someone overcome, and the other one's fucking all about me. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Jeff Augustinelli. He has a passion for serving coaches and creators by helping them improve their mindset and marketing for their businesses. Jeff's methods are around developing endurance, overcoming resistance, and developing a plan to exceed your goals, all while learning to fall in love with the process of marketing. In his 10 years in the industry, he's seen that those who absolutely crush the game are those that are willing to go the extra mile and play full out. His current focus is helping coaches and creators grow their one-on-one coaching businesses by leaning into their edges, mastering the art of messaging, and overcoming the resistance to selling. Ultimately, he hopes to help others get in touch with their full power and gifts and express that into the world. I love this convo because Jeff is a no bullshit type of person who will give you the direct things that you need to hear. This trait can help all of us get better, and that is what I hope to do for you in this episode. Please welcome to the show, Jeff Augustinelli. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today I'm stoked because I got my good friend, Jeff Augustinelli, sitting across from me, and we're going to get right into it. But before we do, just want to ask you, how are you doing today, Jeff? I am amazing, CJ. Part of the reason for that is because as we were talking about before, this is kind of like my ideal day. Podcasting, training, running, contrast therapy with a good friend. Yeah, man. This is, you hit, you hit the nail on the head and it's a dream come true. I was showing you before uh, we jumped on here how I'm like taking Polaroid photos of everybody that mm-hmm. sits down with me. So we're, we're three episodes into having the full studio ready. And then on top of that, now I get to have somebody that also loves to do the other stuff that I like to do, which is run, train, sauna, ice, eat good food, have good conversation. So if you're starting off your 2023, I highly recommend going about your life and what do you love to do most and how do you do that more? Because I think a lot of people get stressed out over just doing too little of what they love to do. So I appreciate you coming and joining me here today and doing all the things that I love to do. And that parlays into the first question where one of the things I've seen you love to do and help other people do is how you call it, master their messaging and then also just help them with direct sales. So having gone on a couple of runs with you um, and hung out a couple of times, I've noticed that you kind of clear the path for people to strip away all the things that they're doing that aren't necessary for them to actually be making sales and getting leads and making a life and a career that they enjoy. And I think there's not enough people that really understand that. And to understand you a little bit more, I went to your website to kind of understand where your messaging was and how you're making sales based on the leads that you're capturing. And I noticed something right off the bat, you used three words, uh, enjoy, enrich, endure right at the top of your website. It was kind of like, I don't know what they call them, like a collage where it like yeah, flips it like through the three words. Yeah, it in and then like goes away and then one types out and then goes away. I love that. Other. I literally just implemented it on my new website for Thrive <laughs> on Life. So I was like, man, we're on, we're on the same page with that. Um, but I really wanted to ask you, what do those three words mean and why do you have them there? Because I know they're there for a reason. Yes. Great question. 
So the first one's endure, right? So endurance, right? I'm an endurance athlete. So it has, I guess you could say maybe like a multi-dimensional meaning. But when it comes to most people's personal brands or businesses, they think endurance is tolerance. Mm. It is a very different conversation. For me, endurance is understanding how to endure, understanding how to go about your daily tasks, reach your monthly goals and your yearly goals, but being able to build up a certain level of capacity and expand it continuously and not burning yourself out in the process, right? So endurance is something that I really believe that all entrepreneurs, coaches, and creators need to treat their business like an elite athlete treats their training for races. And if we can do that, we build endurance properly, right? Now, enjoy is the next part because a lot of people can endure, right? Or they can tolerate. But are you actually enjoying the process, right? And I get it. It's kind of cliche. But here's the thing. There's nothing I love more than logging a bunch of miles with a friend or being able to do life and business in a way that's synergistic, in a way that complements and in a way that weaves this fabric of I'm having fun in life and I'm crushing in business and it doesn't feel like I'm task switching. It feels like one harmonious thing. So being able to really enjoy the process and then enrich. Too many people slug it out and wait to make money in their business. And I'm not the guy that's like only focus on money. And I know you know that, but here's the thing. Too many people don't understand that if they're not making money in their business, they don't have a business. They have a hobby that they think that they're doing the business, the money making activities in the business, but they're just doing. They're putting out a ton of podcasts, they're putting out content, they're doing certain things, but they don't understand how to really link the activity with value creation for people, but also value creation for themselves because it's a feedback loop. Most people are like, well, I'll wait three to five years and then I'll make some money. It's like, bro, you won't make it three to five years, right? So understanding how to provide value full circle for others and for yourself is the most important thing, in my opinion. I agree. I love how you use the word endurance is tolerance. Even when we think about endurance athletes, I think it's easier to think about athletes than it is to think about business. Because when you grow up, whether you're a girl or a guy, we see this, we see athletes put on a pedestal everywhere. Mm -hmm. The reality is though, the amount of money you're, you're attaching it to money, right? To, mm -hmm. to, to enrich that the average person spends at local stores is every day. Mm -hmm. So whether you're an athlete or you're not, it makes me think of like, I used to go to 7-Eleven all the time. And I would spend like all my yard work money or whatever going to 7-Eleven and CVS. Well, the reality is somebody owns that 7-Eleven, whether it's a franchise or the corporation, somebody is making money off my dollar, but I'm exchanging that value. I love how you're like combining all, all of them. And I think that most people look at it as tolerance because they don't necessarily understand none of those three words. Mm -hmm. So I love how what's going to end up happening for you and why you probably did this on your website is the people that do understand and understand what those three words mean, they're going to be drawn in. And that's what happened to me. I was like, okay, this is why I want to ask that first question and hear what's your take on these three words. The other thing with endure and tolerate is I think it comes from just how we are raised. We're taught to, this is just the way it is, tolerate it. But the beauty of business is that you do get to enjoy it and you do get to enrich not only yourself, but others, but nobody is there to tell us that. But it does take trials and tribulations to get there. So in terms of you getting to the point of having a website where you can put endure, enrich, enjoy on there, what is the flip side of that? Mm. What have you had to en endure? What are some of the non-enjoyable things you've had to do and what are some of the things that have maybe not been as fulfilling as they could have been in the moment that got you to this point today? That's a big question, my friend. So some of the more, I would say pivotal moments, right? I remember 
there was, I've tried many different business models over the year. I had a podcast for five years. This was before I really understood what messaging was. Part of me thought that the, let's say the information industry was about just sharing what's either like true or what's on my heart or like (laughs) that version or being a good student and consuming and regurgitating. So in that conversation, no matter what it is, it's just putting something out there without realizing that there's an individual consuming it. So before I realized that I'm speaking to one person, that's what messaging is. I'm not saying, hey, y'all, or hey, everyone, or like, I'm not speaking to a group of people, I'm speaking to one person. Before I realized that distinction, I was spraying and praying. I was like, yo, I'm gonna throw as much content out there as possible. The, you know, somebody will read it and they'll be moved and they'll reach out. So many mistakes, so many hours of just putting so much stuff out there and sitting and waiting. It's an incomplete act to just put content out, in my opinion. The biggest mistake I made was waiting and just putting things out there and then not having the rest of it, which is making invitations and having conversations because the reality is, CJ, for myself and for those who have either a one-to-one or one-to-many coaching business or sell products or programs, you're in the business of having conversations, either on mass or one-to-one. If you have more conversations, you have more sales. If you don't have calls on a calendar and you have a one-to-one coaching business, there's a problem, period. So the, the problem biggest, isn't your content then. Yeah. The problem that, yeah. is not the content. The problem is get calls. Yeah. You can do that a, a number of different ways, but I think a lot of people too move into the online space because maybe they have a certain apprehension or fear about approaching people. So the other biggest mistake I would say that I made is not having enough conversations with people about what I do. I can't tell you the number of times nowadays where I'm at a restaurant or out with some friends or at a birthday party. You know, we have a ton of stuff going on here in Austin all the time between different friend groups and just always stuff going on. Every time I talk about what I do in a way that's just natural, which I could talk about later, but like in a very non-salesy, this is what I do and here's why you should work with me way. Every time I naturally introduce what I do, there's ways to invite curiosity where people are like, oh, wow, tell me more about that. And hey, I have a business. You know, I mean, there's, there's, you throw a rock, you hit an entrepreneur in Austin, right? So having more conversations in person has been absolutely huge. I would say the last, like there's three major things. This last major thing was conditional thinking, period. When this happens, I will. If this happens, then I will, right? Saying like, when I reach this certain level, then I'll do this. When I do this, then that'll happen. And setting up conditions in a way that's delaying enjoyment. There were so many times where I was like, well, I'll run the ultra marathon next year when I'm at this certain point. I'll do this when I'm at that point. As soon as I put my first 50K on the calendar, and as soon as I started to prioritize the things that not only made me feel more like me, but that brought a certain level of enjoyment to my life, everything else started to work better. Now, I think some people can take this to the extreme. and They're like, well, I'm only doing the stuff that I enjoy, but business isn't happening. It's like, yeah, that doesn't mean neglect money-making activities. That means set up your schedule so that you have things that you love to do in it. Because if you're in a state of, wow, I'm enjoying myself, everything else will have a certain level of effortlessness to it. It won't feel like drudgery or slugging it out or having to do all of this because I have to, because I need this result. It's a natural byproduct. So for me, it was like, how can I infuse more things that I actually want to do? And that led to becoming a runner, right? Like that's a part of my identity now. And it's also something that I connect with a lot of people on. That's how we connected, right? And it's just, I think too many people postpone joy or they'll put that off until they reach a certain point. But what they find is that when they reach the point that they said they would do all of these things, they feel empty or they waited too long and those opportunities to enjoy life passed them by. And then they have a certain level of regret. And that's when people start to look at their business and they say things like, oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. And they start to build up resentment to their business because they haven't really given themselves 
the opportunity to do the things that they actually want to do while they're running their business. A lot to unpack there. (laughs) I think the way that I want to go with it, because it's something that I connect with you on is understanding, going back to the 7-Eleven and CVS story, like Mm. most people view business as transactional. They're only seeing the end part of business. So like when I went to engineering school and then I went to the corporate world, I didn't view business the way that I view it today. Like we're doing business right now. Mm -hmm. Like this is business. Mm -hmm. We're communicating our message. We are creating content to help tell our story. Off the podcast, we'll talk about how do we help each other and provide value to each other. Mm -hmm. And then the end result doesn't have to necessarily be me giving you a dollar, you giving me a dollar, but it could be we help each other both give dollars to other people and vice versa. I didn't view it that way. And I had to learn over the years by trial and error. And one of the stories that I have is like one of the the coolest, most fruitful clients, I would say, that I've ever had, I met in a sauna. And it was on a Monday morning at 8.30, 9 a.m. And most people would be like, why am I sitting at a sauna at 8.30, 9 in the morning? Like this isn't, I shouldn't be doing this. This isn't how you get ahead in Yo. business or in life or whatever. And one of the conversations that I have with you that stuck out the most was kind of how we both have more fluidity to life and allow those opportunities to happen and put ourselves in positions to create the most of an opportunity. Example A would be, okay, you knew I was going to have a ton of cameras and kind of ton of things mm-hmm. here today to record, but you brought your own stuff and you brought I your did. own things to be creative and, and you're in your own way. That's making the most of an opportunity. So for you, do you have any stories around some interesting ways that those opportunities have presented themselves to you? That way somebody else out there that could be thinking like this, that is second guessing themselves in that moment, stop second guessing themselves and they start doubling down on some of those methods. Yeah. Great question, CJ. So the first part where I realized this was, I can't remember what the course was, but a friend of mine was doing some type of like a challenge or a course and I was going through it. And I had listed out where my last five clients came from. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh, they came from in-person conversations. And as an online entrepreneur, I was under the delusion that my job was to sit behind a computer, produce stuff, do all of like, like just be digital. And when I realized that one of my superpowers is connecting with people in person, and I always leave a great impression, I think I'm a fun guy to be around and most people reflect that as well. And once I started to realize that, I trusted myself more, right? You just said like, stop doubting yourself and second guessing. One of the other biggest mistakes I made was thinking I had to do it like a nine to five type thing. As soon as I removed this somewhat ridiculous misconception, a lot of doors opened. So that could be, there's been times where I was like, no, I should do this and I should do that, right? Like I should write this post or I should, you know, work on this sales page or do this thing. When in fact I was hearing internally, go to Squatch for the workout and do the sauna and cold plunge and stuff like you like to. That conversation, right? Like going to the workout, sitting in the sauna, with a certain level of awareness led to a conversation with someone who is becoming a $30,000 client. So the thought of, well, I need to sit down and I need to create this post and I have to do like, if you hear it linguistically, there's all of these conditions. Like I should do this. I have to do that. Whereas I can feel in my body, like go to the fucking workout. Can you swear on this show? Yeah. Okay, good. Thank God. Dude, say whatever been, you want. I've been managing myself. I'm like, <laughs> no, dude. Okay. So you, yeah. we, we were chatting about like yeah. some of the things that I say before the, the episode is we yeah. were this complete sidebar, but I was like, Jeff, if you have to go to the bathroom, just like throw your hands up and like, I can press pause and we can start right back up because somebody else, like literally I ended the show and they had to run off to like use the restroom. <laughs> and I was like, shit, I need, there's some things I need to start telling before the episode. Usually I do do that, but yeah. just because we typically riff, um, yeah. I figured you knew that like, Sweet. yeah, I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not going to have a show where it's like no cursing. Yeah. Just be yourself, authentic self. That's the best thing that we can get out of this. So yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I I had the clear hit, like go to the fucking workout. And I was like, okay, cool. 
the more I have listened to that voice, and it, sometimes it says, go to Sun Life, right? One of my favorite spots, grab a smoothie bowl, sit down. Someone comes in, we sit down, we have a conversation, very similar thing. They became a client. It's one of those things where it's like, if there's anything that if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, what's one thing I can take away when it comes to like being more in flow with this conversation as far as like sales and listening to yourself is you have to build trust in yourself by taking action on the things that you know you need to do. Sometimes I think people think like, well, you know, like when I have more trust, then I'll trust myself. It's like, how do you develop that trust, right? It's like you have to trust that in order to build trust. It's like a bunch of little moments of trusting and doing that build a bigger trust, right? So it's instead of thinking that, well, I have to do it this way and I have to work from these hours and I have to, have to, have to, I believe that we all have a very predictable personal rhythm. And that could be, for me, it looks like typically my time where I work out is 11 a.m. I like to get a bunch of work done in the morning, go train and then do other stuff. When I follow my rhythm, things like that, go to this place, go talk to this person. It Sometimes it's like just text this person or pick up the phone and mm. call them. As I'm in my flow that works for me and as I listen more to those nudges and just my intuition, things happen almost effortlessly. And I, and I say effortlessly, it's like without trying. I put in plenty of effort because that's just me. I like to do. But when I listen to those you know, kind of cues or follow the breadcrumbs always turns into something. And it doesn't always turn into a paying client. It may turn into exactly the thing I needed in that moment to feel connected or to get support that I needed, right? It's just one of those things where I truly believe like if we listen to that small voice inside of us, it gets louder over time. And we are our best ally 100% of the time. But most of us don't treat it that way. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Jeff. I hope you are loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Jeff Augustinelli. Nobody else has to sleep with your business. You do like at the end of the day, that's how I look at yes. it. Like you're, you're the one that's carrying the weight of the world. So that's a double-edged sword because we're always worried about like you said, should do this, should do that. But no one really gives a fuck what mm -hmm. you're doing at the end of the day anyway. And one of the things that I've always looked at is when I'm creating and building, whether it's brands or podcasts or, or businesses, it's, if I don't do it my way, what is the point of this? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work doing it my way, at least I tried. That's huge right there. It's like, I don't want to build something in somebody else's method, mm -hmm. even though, yes, their method could be working very well for them. So like one of the, my, our previous guests on here, my buddy Paul doesn't like hustle culture and like the constant thinking that I should be doing more. And on some certain say, I'm always a, it depends guy. Like mm -hmm. I thrived in sports because I hustled more than everybody else. And I thrived early on as an entrepreneur because I hustled more than everybody else. So it's, it, it, for me, the response is more, it depends in certain areas. That's where 
I'd love your take on with sales earlier. You were like, maybe it is, you just need to make more sales. Now I've also seen the, the double edge of this spectrum where you have people who are really great at selling, but they're putting in a lot of work and hustle and turning that off and transitioning that into brand and messaging Mm -hmm. is a big struggle for them. For you, what were you initially skilled at? Was it more the messaging side or was it the brute force? I know how to sell side. Honestly, initially, like I sucked at selling straight up, you know, I would have conversations with people and I wouldn't really know what turned into a sale. But I think the very first thing is that we have to basically erase what we think sales are. Because most people, the number one thing I hear people say is like, well, I don't want to like, I don't want to be super heavy on selling and I don't want to come across as salesy. And it's like, cool, don't have a business. Just don't be in business. You won't have to do it. So the thing for me that the, the transition, if you will, where I started to realize that sales is much different than I had been conditioned to believe it is, is that I started to realize that I'm not selling anyone, period. I'm having conversations with people. I say the word selling because most people are like, well, I have to make sales in my business. But then when you talk about sales, they're like, well, sales are evil. It's like, okay. But when I initially removed that label and started seeing it as, look, what comes before every time someone exchanges money with me? A conversation. So I'm in the business of having conversations. Cool. I just need to have more conversations. How do you get the conversations? Yes. Brand. Yeah. Messaging. Exactly. Being out in public, having conversations, period. And the more I exercise having conversations, the more comfortable I get. Now, the other part of this is realizing that when I'm having a conversation, I know who I can help with 100% certainty. If I'm having a conversation with someone and I don't feel I can help them, this has happened twice last week. I'm like, actually, based on what you shared with me so far, I actually don't think I can support you in this because here's how you want to do it. And here's how you this, 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 and this. And while I love what you're up to, I just don't think that we're a match to work together. Most people are afraid, especially in the beginning. Most people are afraid to say no to money, right? Been there. Because they have to make it. So what? <laughs> but I started I used to, re- to train people in the 22. dirt for 30 bucks yeah. an hour. Yeah. I was losing money yep. training people. And there's part of it too, where maybe you bring on people that like, you know, you, you, you'll sell things that maybe is not your best thing. But at the end of the day, what really creates more friction-free sales is you knowing who you support because then you know who you're looking for, right? It's like if I'm training for a a hundred mile race and I hire someone to train me that trains Olympic athletes to run their fastest 5K, that person's not going to help me. They're going to hurt me literally because I'm going to be running at a a, probably a a five minute shy, just shy of five minute mile pace I'm going to be running 3.1 miles instead of 100. And my muscles are going to be conditioned in a completely different way. Have you ever heard of the saying, it's context over content? Yes. Yeah, that's what it reminds me. It's just like both people, like whether you're the trainer that trains for the Mm -hmm. 5K, that trains Olympians for the 5K, or the coach that coaches people to do the 100 miles, both their content could be great, but if you flip the context of which somebody's receiving that content, it won't matter. And I, I don't, man, I love what you just said there. And I think for me, that was the big thing when I first started in business was my, my context was off. And I think I've always had a knack for producing content only because I like just document, I just do it, right? I just throw up pieces and, and see what works and get creative with it. I think naturally anybody that can do that is going to improve their, their content year over year without even trying. But if you don't think about the context of which your content is going out and even the context of what I love, it made me giggle when you said this is just like, what you don't have a business if you're not making sales. And the thing that, that I think about when you're talking about sales is, is service. We always forget as a business, like the value that we're actually providing also 
that I'm not holding a gun to anybody's head to sign up with me. Mm-hmm. So why do you think naturally people have this instinct to be against that? I'd love your take on that. Where do you think that stems from? To be against what specifically? Like the word sales, like the context of sales, like they, they're doing it every day. Mm-hmm. They're on the giving and receiving end of sales every day. Like you're, you're selling your significant other on what restaurant you should go mm-hmm. to, but they're not seeing the context that sales actually is and that it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Where does that start? Well, I mean, everyone has a different experience, right? So like the more negative experiences we have when it pertains to anything, the more friction we probably introduce into the equation. So for me, with the first thing that comes to mind when I hear sales used to come to mind, still does, but it doesn't hold any friction is telemarketers. People calling, Hey, is so-and-so, is your dad there? I don't know. It's like, instantaneously, I'm like, Oh my God. Or my dad being on the phone (laughs) talking to someone and being like, cool, take me off your list. Hang up. Freaking people trying to sell shit all the time. Like that's the conversation (laughs) most people have door to door sales. Funny story. Uh, Kirby vacuum cleaners and cut cone knives. I did door to door sales quite a while ago. Um, wait, you sold vacuum cleaners. Oh, I did in Michigan. Did you sell any middle? Oh yeah. In the (laughs) middle of the winter. It's like a $6,000 machine, right? It's not like a normal vacuum cleaner, right? So this was hilarious. And the part of it is you have to lug around a Kirby vacuum cleaner to demo while you're knocking on people's doors. Talk about training. Yo, that was like the, the most intense training and rejection ever. So people have this context of sales. They're like, yo, sales is slimy. Sales is sleazy. Sales are manipulative. Most people have that conditioning and they find sales as like an arm wrestling match where they're being submitted, right? Or jujitsu, whatever. They're being beaten into submission to buy something. So of course people have a very shitty experience when it comes to sales. So for me- Unless you want the vacuum cleaner. (laughs) And that's going back to your messaging. Like your messaging is going to turn off 99 people, but that one person that wants the $6,000- vacuum cleaner mm-hmm. pays Jeff bill Jeff's bills for that month. That one go. person just cause they wanted a vacuum cleaner exactly. or, or knives as well. Yeah. And to me, the theme is just understanding that you have to get over rejection. And the easiest way to get over rejection is reduce your expectation. Yeah. And it's not even rejection though, right? It's like, that's, I think taking it out of that context is super useful. I don't feel There's like not someone's rejecting yeah. me. It's like, cool. Yeah. It's not for you. That's fantastic. I'm really glad we arrived at that conclusion. So it's just like it, it, the more you can look at sales as just I'm in, I'm having a conversation with a person. My only goal in this conversation is to really understand like what it is that you're up against. And not only that, but like what you want to create in your life or business. And if that's something I can support you with, I 100% have that conversation and we can unpack what that looks like and what that would take. And if not, I'll let you know that as well. And I may be able to refer you to somebody else and as the spiel goes, but it's like, there's zero pressure when I'm on the, com- on the phone with someone. There's zero. Because I'm not trying to make someone do something. I'm simply just seeing if we're a good fit. It also goes back to the mentality that you don't have to make the sale today. Absolutely. Which I think a lot of people don't understand initially when they are quote unquote selling. That's a huge mistake too. They can like the way you end it. I love how you're like, it's just not for you. The thing that when I was in sales and when I went through sales training at my last corporate job, it was just like the, the way that we phrased the ending was just as much an importance as when you first start that conversation, like you were saying is if it's not for them, you also can say today, it might not be for you today. You might not need this today, but in the future, I'd love to keep this relationship so that if you do need something in the future, think of us and how, how do I build that relationship and be valuable so that when they do need it. And I learned something when I worked with my buddy, Dr. Matt Delgado, who's been on here before from LifeSpring Chiropractic is when he was, I've said this as well on the podcast, so I'm not taking a shot at Dr. Matt, but I had to tell him like, nobody gives a fuck about chiropractic. They only care when their back hurts. So that's few and far between. You're not going to sell a person that doesn't have back pain or any pain at all to come to your chiropractic. All you need to get them to do is think of Dr. Matt when it does happen. 
So transitioning his mindset and his messaging into understanding that I'm truly just serving and then getting people at the end of the day, be likable to like me enough to think about me that I can solve their problem. And this is where I want to jump and pivot a little bit is how is your running and endurance training helped your business? That right there, CJ. So not only has it helped, it's defined it. So when I had ran my first 50 K, I had just gotten divorced when I was started to train for it. I just gotten divorced. I had the, the business model I had chosen before that I was running Facebook ads and I had just sold all of my furniture to pay for Facebook ads because the model wasn't working. And eventually I got out of that, ran the race, did all the things. But after I ran that first race and looked back, I was like, yo, if I treated everything like this, things would be a lot easier. I have a plan. It tells me exactly how many miles I need to run every single day. And I'm training for one specific event. And that event is the race. But when I look at the path to that race, it's very structured in a way where it takes out the guesswork. I am to the best of my ability, optimizing my chances of winning that race. And all I have to do is show up and do the work. And if I've put the plan together effectively, then technically I should crush the race. So that first race, I blew out my hip. I was in first place until mile like 22, 23. And then my hip like blew out. I still made it to in ninth place after having to like almost eject from the race. When I went back and did my next race, which was 100K, my training was amazing. I did everything right. I came in second place by like 25 minutes. And when I say it defined my business and everything else is that that was when I started doing launches, right? Now, most people, when they go to launch something, they're a hot mess. They don't have a plan. They don't have a path. They don't have the strategies, the tactics, the messaging, or even just the thing that says, I'm going to send an email on these days. And this is what the arc is going to look like. So I started helping people launch programs and products and engineering this process so not only that it was easy, but again, so that it optimized the chances of hitting it out of the park on the event, which in this case is either on the micro level, like a webinar or a workshop or a breathwork class or whatever, but then on the macro, the course or the coaching program or whatever it is that's being launched. So for me, running taught me how to train, pace, plan, put in the work, build endurance, all of it came from running, period. How many miles is 100K? 62. Did you ever want to stop and give up on any of those 62 miles? Fuck no. Why? For the first 30-ish, me and the dude that ended up coming in first were literally shooting the shit, laughing. We were beholding, you know, there was like four of us that were in the front. It was just super fun. But- I think one of the reasons why I didn't is because like, I just, there was no other option. I was like, yo, I trained for this. Like I did all 99% of the work is done. The race is icing on the cake. I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. I feel like I could literally like shoulder check a Mack truck and win. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not, unless I am literally incapable of running anymore, why the fuck would I throw the towel in? How many people don't make the sale because they throw the talent before actually putting in the work to make anything happen? And that's why I asked you yeah. that question. And I, I'm glad you respond in, in that way because confidence is why you answered with, fuck, no, I'm not. There's no way that I was ever going to stop. Somebody's going to have to pull me off that. <laughs> but how many people go into business quote unquote, to make sales, another quote unquote, but at the end of the day, they're not having fun doing it. So mm -hmm. that's the inhibitor. How many people have you worked with or seen where that enjoyment factor is really what is actually inhibiting them from getting to the finish line? Uh, many, most. I made a post about this recently. I feel like in the last couple of months, I've talked to more people than in the last 10 years who were just like, yo, like I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore, whether in life or business, like throwing in the towel. And it's like, for me, 
when it comes to sales, when it comes to all of this stuff, like the race is never over. Just because I made the sale, just because I launched the course, like the race is still happening. I'm just going to recover for a minute. And it's not that like I'm ultra confident. I just have a certain level of certainty where it's like, I know that if I put in the work and do the absolute best that I can, I'm either going to crush the goal or I'm going to have a shit ton of information that's going to allow me to look at it and say, how can I do this better next time? I'm not going to hit the button that says, okay, cool, I'm done. And I'm not saying I never have. I have a very colorful past. We've talked about this before, right? Like I've been an addict. I've been like, you know, almost overdosed a couple of times. Like it, it, there was a very, there's a lot of stuff back there. I was sober for 10 years as well. And it's just like, I feel for me that I've just lived enough life where I'm like, look, until like the last piece out, until it's my time, I'm going to just keep getting back in the game on the micro and the macro until I quote unquote win, which is on the micro and the macro all the time. I love that response. It reminds me of if we're talking about running and and sports and business, what stops most people in my mind isn't the lack of sales and and money coming in. Cause a lot of businesses, I mean, look at the stats of like how many fail within that five years it's their inability to like really truly understand themselves and understand where they've been. Like you've said, you've been in multiple different arenas in your life, good or bad. And the lessons that you learn from that, they just don't know themselves enough to understand what is the game plan. You can't plan for a launch. If I think a lot of people put a bullet to their head by saying like they quit their job and don't have enough money. And then they're launching this thing out of scarcity rather than out of abundance where it's just like, I could launch this thing and I can make $0. And if I learn how not to do it Mm -hmm. so that I can get to the next step, that's worth it. And that's where you mentioned winning has so many layers. I think a lot of people struggle to realize the first wins is understanding how not to lose. In my mind, that's how, like when I had this podcast, when I started it this April will be four years it wasn't like, I'm going to do this podcast to get however many downloads. It was, I'm going to do this podcast and figure out how to not have a shitty podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> does it sound good enough where I can get one person to listen to it, including myself? Like if I can't even listen to this and be like, okay, at least the work was worth it. Why the fuck am I even showing up? And that's where I'd love to kind of switch from. You're talking about having confidence, being in person, and, and having conversations with people, how do they then shift this online? Because I think something that I've noticed and analyzed is the separation is in the preparation mm-hmm. and the preparation for in-person looks way different for the preparation online. Ish. Kind, meaning like a lot of people can fake it in person, mm. but like to really get what you're striving for online and create a long-term scalable business model, you have to put in some work to like get there. But there's a lot of charismatic people. You could show up to a party and like, you're going to walk away and be like, that person is really fucking interesting. But scaling a business is a little bit, again, like you said, you have to have a plan to be a little bit more tactical and practical with it. What does that look like in the online world? The first thing is at least for now, know what kind of business you want. So I remember at one point, one of my coaches was talking about how he was running retreats and he was doing all these different things. And I had one of those like aha moments where I thought to myself, I don't want that. I want a business because I'm also not like, I'm not like a public speaker. Like you won't typically see me on a big stage and do it. Like, it's just not my thing. But I do love working with someone one-to-one. I do love maybe like a six month plus journey with that individual helping them to really do it right and set things up. I also like a smaller group thing. And I looked at it and I said, this is the business I want. And I defined what business I want. And that's the plan I'm executing on. So now I know when I see everybody launching their retreat, when I see everybody doing like 87 and a half different things, I'm like, I'm good. I don't need any of that. Now, when it comes to executing on the plan to grow whatever it is, the businesses that you defined, it may be okay to get your feet wet by just starting to put out content. I'm also the guy that's like, do not wait for things to be perfect. 
you will find out more in the process than you will in preparing 100% of the time. So start messy and refine. So build the muscle of being consistent. And that's not posting every day, maybe, right? It may be three days a week, four days a week, but start to get the reps in so that you're doing something so you can get good at it. Podcasting, YouTube, whatever, any social media platform. As you're in the process, understand that like you are in the business of helping people solve problems. And if you're just talking and sharing about stuff, people may not resonate with it. So get very clear on who and how, who you help, how you help them. Once you do that, understand their pain and their problems. Because no one, you can talk about your process all day long. I've got this unique six step process for helping you overcome fear and having the most confident life ever. Cool. But if you say to someone, you know, those times when you go to have a conversation with a potential client and fear washes over you, your throat tightens and you start to sweat and you're so scared because you feel with almost absolute certainty that if you speak up, you're going to stutter, you're going to sound stupid or that you're not going to know what to say. And once again, you're going to go home from this event feeling depressed, sad, and like it's just not worth it. It's a very different conversation. One takes into account this thing I'm helping someone overcome. And the other one's fucking all about me. Look at my good shit. It's my six step process. That may come in there somewhere, but like really understanding the person that you want to work with is gigantic. Now, the other thing which some people are like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't like messaging people. I personally believe for my business and for anybody else who has like a a one-to-one or one-to-few practice where they're working with people on a deep level, I think just posting on social media is an incomplete practice. Closing that loop looks like having conversations on social media. So I'm the guy that says, look, everyone that likes and or comments on your stuff, reach out to them. Or if they start following you, send them a message, thank them. Say that you appreciate them spending time on your page. Ask them questions. What are you struggling with right now? I really want to create content that supports the people who are here and who are paying attention. So it would mean the world to me if you could just share one or two things that you need right now, and I'll create some content around it to support you. That practice, because to to build a business that scales, most of the time you have to do shit that doesn't scale. And this is where most people fuck up. They're like... I'm going to build the $50 million business and I'm going to build a team and I'm going to have all this stuff. And I'm like, cool. How are you making money right now? Because what happens is they run out of fucking money. They fire the team and they're like, oops, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) bro. Don't get me started. But anyways, this is a very simple practice. I still do this to this day. If, If you're listening or watching this and you follow me, most likely you and I have had a genuine conversations in DM more likely than not, because I give a shit. And I'm going to reach out and be like, cool, thank you. Like, what are you struggling with right now? Like, what's up? How can I help you? And just if you did those things that I just outlined, that's in my opinion, that is a complete business. Of course, you have to have the thing that you're selling on the other end. But it's like, if you know who you're talking to, what problem you're solving, and you're having conversations, it's inevitable that that person's going to be like, how do I work with you? I love the end there because maybe the person you're talking to isn't your client, but maybe they have Mm -hmm. 10 friends who are your client. And that's where focusing on the conversation. And if you define your business, like you say, even defining what it means to be in business, because there's a difference between having a business, like having the LLC and being in business, in business is predicated on having sales, which is what you said, predicated on having conversations So defining the business is one thing, but then defining the success of the business in the beginning, you're not going to define the success of the business based on a million dollars in sales right when you start. You're going to find out how many conversations I had. In person, that's really easy. I go to events. Like you said, in Austin, we have so many events. In the digital world, though, what I found is this is where people really struggle. Their their metric of success is the likes and the follows on their posts, rather how many DMs and text messages and emails are they getting? And this conversation hits so, so hard for me because like I have a micro following Mm -hmm. and I've been at this for seven years. 
a lot of people would have just given up. Yeah. If they had set the metric of the following that I have and how many years and energy I've input into it, they would give up. But what they're not understanding is the behind the scenes of they don't know who I'm talking to every day in my DMs, in my text messages, mm-hmm. in the emails. Not only people that I love and are making an impact, but those are the people that are going to change my life and vice versa. And I don't need the following at that capacity. So I set the bar right from the get-go when I started messaging online to understand what is it that I really want. A good instance would be like my sauna sitting in my backyard. Mm -hmm. I can call Peter, the founder of Sisu Sauna, like right now if I really wanted to. Ice Barrel, same thing. Roan, same thing. Like, so you start seeing my metric was how do I be valuable to the people that are creating value in my world and for the people that are in my world? And none of them give it, I mean, hopefully that they, they like some of the posts I put out there, but the reality is that was my bar. Now, what I've seen people mistake that for in business is like, okay, I went about it that way. But if your target customer, say you're a coach, looks completely different than that, then you can't be speaking to the people that I'm talking about because they're not your customer. And to make that more clear, it's like, let's say I'm a weight loss coach, but I'm only posting videos and content about me, about how shredded I am. And I'm just painting a picture of what you said was high, was high level. I ingested that, but some of the people on the other end might not be able to get there it looks like, and I've seen this so many times and you can attest to this, is them posting themselves and wondering why they're not making sales because at the end of the day, they're trying to make their peers like them and and connect with their peers rather than connecting with their customer. And I've personally experienced that. Like when I first started digital marketing and things like that, how does somebody understand who that customer is? Not from the start, because I like how you were saying not spray and pray, but like gain that consistency Mm -hmm. kind of like from spraying paying in the beginning. But do you have any frameworks to help people that can help them better understand their customer? Because like I was explaining, like my brother, Peter, who's the founder of the Sisu sauna, if I'm striving to increase my friendships and my friend groups, I'm going to market to that. But if I created a business right now, a fitness business to coach people that are dads and want to lose 20 pounds. Like Peter's not my guy. Cause he works out every day and he sits in the sauna every day. Like, however, he does probably have people that follow him. So it's creating content in ways, not only to attract that customer to, but to attract customers that could be around the group. That's like the high level, but how do somebody get there from day one? And this is something that I've struggled with conveying to other people that I've worked with because I believe that you have to go through it to start understanding it. But maybe I don't know, from your experience, have you been able to get through to people what kind of like what we're talking about and understanding that target right from the get-go? Well, first is if you look back, right, you had mentioned people just posting about themselves on their social. So the the weight loss coach just posting pictures of them ripped, how they how they did it, their journey, that kind of thing. That's an ingredient in the cake, so to speak, of effective social media. But it's not the complete story. There's other types of posts, right? Like those are more like personal story posts. There's value posts where you're teaching and, and educating, right? There's other posts that walk people through a, a like a hero's journey, right? There's questions. There's a, a number of different types of posts that can create this fabric of a brand, right? So that's one. But as far as looking at who do I want to serve, it's not necessarily cool, I did that, I'm done. This process is required for every offer, every product, every newsletter, every opt-in. Because if you just say on your website, and I'm guilty of this at some points as well, and actually right now, because I just redesigned my website and I got to redo part of it, is like, if I just have a thing that says, join my newsletter, nobody is sitting there saying, I want a newsletter. They're like, I don't want to read another fucking email. So, but if I have something that says, you know, like uh, Tim Ferriss has five bullet Friday, James Clear is like the three, two, one newsletter, right? Like there's these different frames on it that appeals to a very specific type of person. So if you're looking at how do I 
define my avatar and my niche, which is the kind of the lingo that we're talking about here. Most people have tried to do this a million times and they hate it now because they're like, I've done that and I don't want to do it again. It's like, cool. Infinite patience produces immediate results. Be willing to do it until you get it. And then when you get it, be willing to get really good at it, period. In order to start to define it further, you can look at a couple of things is one, who have I worked with that I actually liked working with? And then look at them and say, cool, what about them do I like? Cool. They take action. They don't complain. They do the work. They know how to actually ask a question instead of just putting a dissertation into an email, whatever qualities that someone has, right? Like soft qualities. Then you could also be like, cool, what like hard qualities? Like, well, it's a little bit harder to qualify this in terms of weight loss, but like in business stuff, right? I'm like, cool. I actually help micro influencers. I've had clients who have like 150, 200, 300,000 followers. Those people are harder to support than the micro. Like I have better success with people with smaller followings because if you build up a customer base or excuse me, a following that's like 3,000, 300,000 people and you haven't sold anything yet. When you start to do the process of saying, here's who I can help and here's how, you may have 279,000 people who don't even close to fit that bill. So your expectation is, I have a big following. I should sell a lot of this product. No, 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 no. Your expectation should be, wow, I've got all these people and I've never sold them anything. Let's find out. Very different conversation. So just to go back to like the tactical thing is you can look back and say, who have I worked with and how do I support them and how do I like working with them and what are their qualities? You can do it that way. Or you could also go, who would I love to work with? Cool. I like this type of person. Wow, that would be really fun. And oh, what if they're like this? Define it. Cool. Now you got the person. What's their problem? Okay, cool. Well, so micro influencer, they think that they need more people and a bigger following to sell this thing, but what they actually need is messaging. So one of their problems is they're focused on the wrong metric, right? Another one of their problems potentially is their offer is not clear. So they may not have an offer that really speaks to a specific person about a specific problem. And they may, their pricing may be way off. They may have a coaching package or offer that's really worth five grand and they're charging 500. Price? will attract the right person and push away the wrong person. If someone's like, cool, I've got this program and it's 500 bucks and it's three months. I'm like, okay, like it doesn't seem like it's, it should be more than that. Like what's wrong with it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And other people are like, well, it's a good deal. But regardless, the point is looking at who do I want to serve or who have I served that have gotten good results for Now, the thing of this is a lot of people can buy copywriting courses, they can buy messaging courses, they can do all of that stuff, but what they don't get is feedback if they don't know how to look for it. So if you're putting out your messaging, one of the best ways to start is by speaking to the problem or speaking to the dream or desire. And if you do that, you may start to see people, newer people commenting or liking. And then if you do a little bit of research and go to their profile and look at it, you might be like, wow, this is somebody I would actually want to work with. And in that case, then you reach out and you message them, say, hey, really appreciate the like on the last post. Seems like you're new to my world. What brought you by? And then you just started a conversation. But the tactical part of that is testing the messaging of the pain or the desire. And then when the right person shows up, being like, oh, cool, this type of person. Now you know, and then you can further refine it. So there's a lot of different places where you can look but at the end of the day, marketing is guessing and testing. If, so, if a marketer comes to you and says, I can guarantee these results and no, 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 like, cool. If they put their money where their mouth is and say, you get a refund, if they don't get this, cool, they're right. But most of the time you have to test and iterate and be willing to test. And if you're like, I need this one thing. And when that one thing works and I'm set, good luck. Hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. The difference between the bigger companies isn't their skills of marketing. The, the difference is they have the resource to test hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of pieces of marketing when the solopreneur or the coach is just sitting here contemplating this one post that they're putting up. Mm-hmm. Like Alex Ramosi has this saying, it's just like, you're doing the right thing. You're just not doing enough of the right yes, thing. And that. like the, the big companies and the people that you're competing with against is the only way they find out what the right thing is, is because they 
put so much out there that I get enough feedback to just triple down on something. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really appreciative that you, you framed in that way. And it made me think back to tie this all the way back to the beginning. And then we'll get to our wrap up questions is if you know who you will enjoy working with, mm-hmm. it's then much easier to endure with them to then enrich each other's lives. hundred percent. So if you enjoy working with them and they enjoy working with you, you're then going to be able to show up each and every day, like Jeff is talking about and endure what business is, is like your client is going to have good days and bad days, good weeks and bad weeks. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be up and down for you as well. But if you're, if you enjoy each other, you're able to enjoy long, endure longer and then you enrich each other's lives over either a set time frame or if you do it the right way, even when they stop being your client, you build these relationships so they're lifelong and it keeps feeding you and enriching your life in many different ways. So I, I really like kind of how all this ties together in this entire conversation. And the last thing I want to ask you uh, before we get into wrapping up is what is the messaging that Jeff is putting out there this year? Like, what are you selling and who are you selling it to? And then that way, somebody on the other end of this, if they're open to it, could reach out to you, start that conversation and enrich each other's lives. I love it. Yes. So my main focus this year is supporting people in the one-to-one capacity to grow their one-to-one coaching business. I think too many coaches and creators get sold this thought of like, well, I'll create the $27 product or I'll create this low ticket thing and I'll just get enough people so that they can then buy it and I'm good. I don't have to like show up as much. But I think there's a process that's required where people really have to work with others one-to-one to refine what it is they're doing because I truthfully think it's irresponsible to broadcast or to sell a course that you're potentially testing on many people at once instead of working through your process with one person. So for me, it's that thing of, I love supporting coaches and creators to master their messaging and fall in love with the process and to build the the qualities, if you will, that we talked about today, which is not knowing how to really sell with style, right? Like if you if you knew that you could have conversations with people and just have it be as natural as this conversation and have that turn into someone being like, yeah, I would love to work with you. Would you have more of those? Absolutely. The reason people aren't having more conversations is because of the, the stuff that's in the way, the beliefs about sales, or I need to post this type of content, or I've got to do it this way. I love helping people really reframe and really build an entirely new architecture around what it means to build their business and sell and message in a way that's really fulfilling for them and for the person receiving it. And here's a direct example of the power of conversation because we've hung out and we've had conversations. I don't necessarily have anything direct to sell. So therefore Jeff doesn't solve that need for me like we were saying earlier, right now. Mm-hmm. However, a year goes by, I write a book or I, I do something. Some of the other goals that I have, I do have in mind uh, to happen within the next 12, 18, 24 months. Who do you think is going to be the first person that I think to, to be like, yo, come kick it. I have this idea. Potentially we could work together on this. So there's so, so much power in, in everything you're, you're talking about. And I'm really excited to get this out to the people. Last question that we ask everybody here on the show is if you were to define the word thriving, how would you do so? To me, thriving means there, it's a feeling in my body. I'm very visual. The image that comes to mind is me smiling on the top of a mountain, looking at this trail that seems to go off into the horizon, right? Like being in a place where I'm doing what I want to do and enjoying the shit out of it in the process to me is thriving because that means that I can do that because other things are in place. So for me, thriving is a very like activated, turned on, ready to rock and roll feeling in my body. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> Thank you for joining us here today, Jeff. It was an, it was a pleasure and I look forward to uh, getting our, our run and our lift in after this. I always talk about my biggest takeaway at the end of every episode. And for mm-hmm. today, it was an easy one. You said in, 
in, to endure or endurance is not tolerance. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm going to repeat in my mind uh, today and, and probably the rest of this week and just think back to how many times I've tolerated things because I thought I was leaning into like the hard ass in me. Like I'm going to endure this when the reality was I was being stubborn and leaning into the ego side of me and realizing that because I was trying to tolerate certain things in my life, it means that I was saying yes to things that I shouldn't have been and no to other things that I really actually should have been striving to endure. And running is one of them. It's just like how much before I know what my friend Noah and I were talking about this other day, like before we ran a couple miles every day or every other day, like what did we do? What did I do with my life? What was I doing with that time frame? And the the ability to endure the run and the way that you defined it, where it's I want to thrive on the run. I don't want to just tolerate the run. The ability for that one instance to then have an impact on all other areas of my life has me now thinking where else in my life am I just tolerating where I could shift into true endurance and to endure in a much better way. So thank you for sharing that. If you listen to this episode and you love what Jeff had to say, I'd love for you to connect with them. Where can they connect with you at? JeffAugustinelli.com or JeffA.co. Start a conversation with him. Uh, he's the man and let them know uh, that you listen to his podcast because that's another thing that you could do for us. And if you have somebody out there who fits the mold for what Jeff is putting out or would love to connect with Jeff or myself, uh, please share this episode with them. That's the best thing that you can do for me to get our episode out there. And then the last thing is, if you enjoyed the episode and you already shared it with a friend, please leave us that five-star rating and review. I love y'all. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life Podcast. Thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.